Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from 960 AM WSBT. A live stream available at WSBTradio.com. And with our free WSBT radio app, it's a free download at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT radio with the app. You can listen to us live or our podcast whenever you would like. 65 degrees at 508 on this Monday. May the 23rd of 2022. Welcome aboard. Two hours of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. Full show today since the South Bend Cubs have the day off. The minor leagues now always have Monday off since they have gone to six-game series. That started last year and carried over into this year with the Cubs back home to take on Great Lakes tomorrow night. And they'll play at 6.05 tomorrow, so we'll have a very short Budweiser's weekday sports beat tomorrow here on WSBT Radio. Well, in store for you tonight, here's what we have coming up. In our next segment, right around 5.25, it's been a couple of years since the Red Sox and White Sox made the big deal that sent Chris Sale to Fenway Park, and the White Sox got some good young parts back. Now we take a look at that particular deal. The Red Sox have won a World Series with Sale, but he has not pitched a whole lot the last couple of years due to injury, while the White Sox have put Michael Kopech back into the rotation this year, and he looks like an ace for the next few years for this Southsider baseball team. We'll get into more and look back at that trade coming up in just a little bit. ESPN's way too early updated college football poll has dropped Notre Dame in the rankings. Now, they fell one spot, but I'm curious to see what you think about the team that jumped them, a team that we know very well. So we'll have that conversation later on this hour. Who had the best weekend? We'll tell you coming up in our My 5 question of the day at the end of the hour, 6 o'clock hour. We're going to have a chance to take a look at the progress of some of the top prospects in the Chicago Cubs system. Brennan Davis, Christian Hernandez, James Triantos, Caleb Killian, and a young man pitching here in South Bend, Jordan Wicks. And when you take a look at these five individuals, one of them we don't really have stats for, so you can't really get into how well he is doing. 
One is doing pretty well, and one is off the chart good. Two others are kind of so-so in that top five, so we'll get to that conversation coming up. 625, our sports wagering segment. We finished last week strong, and we'll try to get off to a fast start this week with our four suggestions plus our underdog pick. And I'll tell you the underdog pick that we started last week. We went 4-1 and one in that area, so that was a pretty good week picking those plus numbers, so we'll have that conversation later on here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers locally distributed by our good friends at United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574 232 9981 by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978, and by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. It is 512 at WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And our first pitch tonight centers around a local high school basketball star that went to Notre Dame and now is getting set for the National Basketball Association. Blake Wesley had a stellar career at South Bend Riley. It ended by helping Riley win a sectional championship, beating two years ago an outstanding South Bend Adams basketball team. They got over to the Michigan City Regional. And from there, Wesley turned his attention to playing for Mike Bray and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Kind of an exciting recruiting cycle for Mike Bray and Irish fans with two local players from the Northern Indiana Conference Joining this Irish basketball program, J.R. Kinesny from South Bend St. Joe and Blake Wesley from South Bend Riley. Having watched Riley in high school, I remember talking to Coach Bray about this. In an interview, I thought Blake was going to be an immediate contributor on the defensive end. I felt like with his athleticism, his ability to get into a stance, willing to get into a stance, quick hands, He is going to add a lot to the perimeter on the defensive end. Wasn't quite sure about his consistency shooting the basketball from the outside. I know we did a Riley game against Mishawaka late in his senior year. He was hitting around 30% of his three-point shots. In high school, he could get by anybody to get to the rim and finish strong. So offensively, I thought it might take another year for him to develop, but his development was very rapid on the offensive end and became a starter for this Irish basketball team after he had a really good second half at the State Farm Center in early December in that Big Ten ACC challenge against the Fighting Illini of Illinois. That got him into the starting lineup, and he was there the rest of his freshman season with the Fighting Irish. At the conclusion of the season, that fun run in the NCAA tournament, a couple of wins, just coming up short of a trip to the Sweet 16, falling late to Texas Tech. 
the attention turned to whether Blake would come back for one more year or enter the NBA draft. Now, just based on the response I got from Irish basketball fans, they really felt like Blake needed one more year at Notre Dame. In fact, there were a lot of people that just didn't understand why the NBA was an option at this time, and I think mainly due to the inconsistencies on the offensive end. Assist to turnover was not what you'd want it to be. But the NBA draft is just a whole different animal. So we got to the end of the season. Sounds like Mike Bray went over to the Wesley House and talked things over, and Blake was headed to the NBA draft, and it sure sounds like it is full steam ahead. He is going to the NBA draft, had the opportunity to come back, but by everything we've read and heard, this is going to be Blake Wesley's dream coming true, getting drafted. Looks like he'll be a first-round pick. Wesley told Patrick Engel, a blue and gold illustrated at the NBA draft combine last week, quote, me and my parents talked about two years and then done, but this year was the best year for me. If I go back, risk getting injured, losing my stock, my family told me to go for it, end quote. And you know what? Those are three pretty good reasons why you jump to the NBA draft. You do have that risk, it's always there, of getting injured. I think the biggest thing is losing draft stock. It seems like just as an observer of this process, I don't dig deep into it. I really don't enjoy the NBA that much other than watching particular players. I don't have an NBA team I'm a diehard follower of. But just watching the process, it is unique. It often feels like the longer you stay in college for so many players, you get the feeling the NBA understands, well, this guy is not going to get any better. He has reached his ceiling, and those type of players drop. I think a prime example, and this helped the Chicago Bulls, Io DeSumo stayed three years at the University of Illinois, was a first-team All-American his junior year at Illinois, helped them to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament two years ago. But it's like everybody knew his game and they knew who he was, and he fell to, like, pick number 38 overall in the second round. Yet the Bulls are the benefactor of that particular thinking because they got one whale of a pick midway through the second round. A guy that's going to help them for for many years to come. In Wesley's case, he comes back next year. Hypothetically speaking, let's say from the three-point line, he shoots 31%. Shoots 39% from the field. All of a sudden, where he is in the draft process this year may not be there next year. Because the NBA sees a ceiling in Wesley, somebody's going to take, and I don't want chance to come across as a negative word, taking a chance on a player that is still developing. That's where I'm going with this. He's not a complete player at this time. So for all the people that say, well, he's not ready. Well, his game is not ready to be a starter in the NBA right now, but that does not mean in a couple of years down the road that will not be the case. If he gets on the right team, 
with the right assistant coaching staff that are going to be all in in developing his game. This could turn out to be a terrific story for Blake Wesley and for the team that drafted him. So hopefully he goes to that right team that is good at developing young players because there is a process still to come. I think physically he probably would have benefited for another year at Notre Dame. Working in the strength and conditioning program, hopefully he'll hit the weights hard this summer and whatever NBA team gets him, puts him on a proper program because I think that would help him around the rim. He got to the rim very successfully at Notre Dame, but then finishing at times, he was inconsistent. But being in the right strength and conditioning program, he can finish. And that changes everything with his game. I think a lot of shots, being more consistent, hitting from the outside will make him an NBA player. But that's going to take a lot of work to get to that point. Going to have to be able to shoot the three-point shot, which is farther back than in college, at a better rate than he did in college. But again, that's part of what the NBA teams see, that this is a kid that's going to take steps forward the next few years. So, yeah, if you're an Irish fan, you're like, come on, he's not ready. Watch the NBA playoffs. Look at the guys, how developed they are. It's not about this year or next year. Teams are looking for a guy that they can get to his ceiling and become a great player for them three years down the road. If Blake Wesley becomes a big-time contributor, and to me that means a part of a rotation of a team that is battling for a playoff spot, because he's probably going to go anywhere from 15 to 30, you would think. That's great for Blake Wesley, and that's great for the NBA team going after his services. You look at his freshman year at Notre Dame, 14 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists. This number's got to get better, 84 assists to 77 turnovers. Shot 40% overall, 30% from three. Those numbers got to get better. But again, teams believe they can help him get better in those areas. Bleacher Report did a mock draft recently. And Wesley went number 19 overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is what Bleacher Report's mock draft analyst had to say about Wesley. Quote, the Wolves could think a few years ahead with Wesley, who has standout physical tools and burst for blowing by, but needs some time to sharpen his shooting range and finishing package. Right now, Is Wesley the 19th best player in the draft? Right now, probably not. But that's not what we're basing this on. We're basing this on his ceiling a couple of years down the road. It's about who Blake Wesley can become. I mean, we've seen through the years these NBA teams take these international players we've never heard of in their teams, taking them in the first round, because they believe there is such an upside to that player. Like, who heard of Luka Doncic before he was taken? I think he was drafted by Atlanta and then traded for Trey Young. Now the star for the Mavericks. They try to find those diamonds in the rough, and that's the case with Wesley. So, right now, not the best shooter from the outside in the draft. Needs to be a better finisher at the rim, but repetition with the shot, strength and conditioning program, 
around the rim. That will help that immensely. So as you get set to be watching the NBA draft and as a Notre Dame fan, see where Wesley goes. Just keep in mind, it's not about today or tomorrow. This is a couple of years down the line. Teams are looking at Blake Wesley at what he can become with their basketball team. But 40% from the field, 30% from three, that's just not going to get it done. But that's where repetition and work comes into play. And he's made himself, I thought, a much better player from his senior at Riley to his freshman year at Notre Dame. There was a big step up in his level of play without now studies to get in the way. It is basketball 365, 24-7. Great opportunity to work on all those areas to make himself the best Blake Wesley that he can be. Meanwhile, the Irish will move on, and J.J. Starling is the next young star coming into the Irish basketball program. The outstanding guard from Laporte Lalamere joins the Irish basketball program. Not going to get into comparisons, but it'll be interesting to see if he can have the type of impact on this team that Wesley did last season for the Fighting Irish. Pretty veteran group coming back with a little J.J. Starling mixed in. We'll wait to see if Nate Leshevsky stays in the draft, comes back to Notre Dame, or maybe goes overseas and starts his professional career in the international level. So still some things to fall into place for Mike Bray's Fighting Irish basketball team. And we wish Blake Wesley the best of luck as we hope to see another former NIC player in the National Basketball Association, Devin Kennedy, Demetrius Jackson recently, Blake Wesley next in line. 525 is our time. That's our first pitch on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up next, the White Sox and the Red Sox. Tomorrow night, open up a series on the south side of Chicago. And we look back to a trade they made back in 2016. Both teams are starting to benefit from that trade. We'll take you down memory lane and also take a look at what this trade could mean for both teams in the near future. Budweiser's weekday sports speed brought to you by Budweiser, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 29 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, 65 degrees on this Monday evening. Welcome back to the program. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Quick side note to that White Sox-Yankees series that had a lot of controversy over the weekend. Yankees infielder Josh Donaldson. Apparently a couple of times. Hollered and spoke to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson and referred to him as Jackie. There was an interview a few years ago that Tim Anderson kind of referenced himself as Jackie Robinson, a guy that's going to change the game. And Donaldson 
apparently, from what we've read from some stories, for a couple of years has called him Jackie. And whatever the case was this weekend, whatever was said added on to that, or maybe enough was enough. Anderson took exception to it, bench cleared, and then Yasmani Grandal, the next time Donaldson came to the plate over the weekend, got in his ear. Tony LaRussa called Josh Donaldson's comment of Jackie to Tim Anderson as racist. Well, Major League Baseball has investigated the situation, and Donaldson has been suspended one game for inappropriate comments made on Saturday. He was also fined an undisclosed amount of money. Now, Michael Hill is Major League Baseball's Senior Vice President for On-Field Operations, said in a statement, quote, MLB has completed the process of speaking to the individuals involved in this incident. There is no dispute over what was said on the field. Regardless of Mr. Donaldson's intent, the comment he directed toward Mr. Anderson was disrespectful and in poor judgment, particularly when viewed in the context of their prior interactions. In addition, Mr. Donaldson's remark was a contributing factor in a bench-clearing incident between the teams and warrants discipline. End quote. Now, Donaldson says he meant no disrespect, but Major League Baseball has spoken, and Josh Donaldson suspended one game and also fined an undisclosed amount of money. Anderson had kind of the final say Sunday night baseball last night, hitting a home run, helping the White Sox to beat the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, Stadium quieting some of the boos from the Bronx. Well, speaking of the White Sox, they're idle today. They're getting set to take on the Boston Red Sox on the south side of Chicago in a series starting tomorrow. And these two teams have a history from the standpoint of making a deal that changed the complexion of both franchises. We go back to December 6th, 2016. The Chicago White Sox traded their left-handed starting pitching ace, Chris Sale, to the Boston Red Sox for four prospects. The two main pieces, infielder Yon Moncada and right-handed pitcher Michael Kopech. Now, for my money, anytime you make a trade that leads to a world championship, no matter how history plays out for the pieces that went the other way, it was a deal well worth it. Now, you can argue in some cases, well, if you don't make the trade, maybe you still win and you have that piece for the next 6, 8, 10 years. I think a prime example, Glaber Torres traded for Aroldis Chapman. That was a rental. The Cubs wanted Chapman to close out their games in 2016, and even though he had some hiccups along the way, including in that wild Game 7 of the World Series, there is no doubt without Chapman, maybe the Cubs don't win the World Series. Maybe they pick up a cheaper rental where they keep Glaber Torres but that's history, but that's an example where you can maybe take a look at a trade and say, well, if they don't do it, maybe they still hold on to this piece. But the Cubs needed Chapman. He was good for them for the most part coming down the stretch, and they broke, they broke the curse and won the World Series in 2016. For the Red Sox, this trade is always going to be a win no matter what happens with Moncada and Kopech because the Red Sox won the 2018 World Series with Chris Sale in their starting rotation. In 16, 
32 starts for sale in Boston with a 3.34 earn run average. Things have changed, though, for sale as injuries have derailed his career. And I think it's always been a concern from a White Sox fan standpoint. You look at sales delivery, how long was he going to last before he needed surgery on his elbow, his arm, and eventually in Boston he would need Tommy John surgery. Since the end of the 2019 season, Chris Sale has made nine starts for the Boston Red Sox. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. That's it, just nine starts for Sale to work his way back into the rotation for the Red Sox this year. But from the Boston standpoint, they needed Sale to win the World Series, and they got it done in 2018 with a healthy Chris Sale on the mound. Now, from the White Sox perspective, they got four players in the deal, but obviously Moncada and Kopech were the key pieces. Moncada is now 26 years old, starting third baseman for the White Sox, got off to a slow start this year due to injury, the oblique at the end of spring training, kept him on the sideline for a month, and Moncada, man, it's hard to believe he has been with the White Sox for six years now. In the six years, a 260 hitter with a 345 on base percentage. The OPS a little below 800 at 783. In those six years, 72 home runs, 251 driven in. Moncada at the time of the trade was considered the best prospect in minor league baseball. His numbers have been very, very good. Honestly, when the trade happened, I thought the White Sox had the centerpiece for their lineup for the next 10 years. He's been good, but I wouldn't say he's been consistently great. His best year was 2019. This is kind of what I expected to be the norm for Moncada. In 2019, he hit 315 with a 367 on base percentage and the OPS outstanding at 915, 25 home runs, 79 driven in, but there continues to be holes in his swing. He is not consistent at the plate, still trying to find his groove this year, coming off the oblique, which is tough when you're down for a month and you go on a rehab assignment for a month, then you're asked to face the best pitchers in the world at the major league level. It's a challenge. So I think you have to give him a little bit of relief from grief right now just because he's trying to get back into the groove at this time. But I would say this Moncada has been really, really good, but I wouldn't say he's been consistently great for the White Sox, at least in my opinion. I expected a little bit more out of him considering who he was as a Boston Red Sox. But here's the key piece. Michael Kopech. This was one of the top pitching prospects in the Red Sox system that the White Sox got for Chris Sale. It's been an interesting ride for Kopech with the Chicago White Sox. Underwent Tommy John surgery in 2018. He did not pitch in 2020 as he opted out. 2021, after a couple of years away from the mound, was a bullpen piece for most of last season for Tony LaRussa. 44 appearances, including 40, coming out of the Sox bullpen. Had four starts altogether, 69 and a third innings, posted a 3.50 ERA. Not bad, but this was the guy they got to be 
a top-of-the-rotation starter for hopefully the next decade. Now he's put behind the injuries, and now in 2022 was put right back into the starting rotation, and man, has he delivered so far this year. His last two starts have been against the New York Yankees, and they have been spectacular. He retired the last 13 Yankees he faced last Sunday, or I should say a week ago Sunday at home, and then after being away from the team for a couple of days, came back and started last night at Yankee Stadium and retired the first 17 he faced. So he threw a perfect game over two starts against one of the best offenses in baseball, set down the Yankees 30 at-bats in a row before finally giving up a base hit. But last night, part of that 5 nothing victory over the Yankees, seven innings, one run, Let me correct myself. One hit, no runs, two walks, six strikeouts. For the season, eight starts for Kopech, 42 innings. He has given up 17 base hits. Going into last night's game, he had not given up an extra base hit to a right-handed batter. Think about that. Through seven and a half starts, and I can't remember that hit he gave up, if it was a righty or not, but... He had not given up an extra base hit to a righty all year long. That is remarkable. And in those 42 innings, 19 walks, a little high there, but 39 strikeouts, just a hair below a strikeout per inning. This is one of the major reasons why the White Sox made the trade with the Red Sox, to get Moncada and get this guy, Kopech, who they hoped could kind of take the spot of Chris Sale atop the White Sox rotation. Sale's a lefty, Kopech's a righty, but Kopech was a guy that was throwing right around 100 in the minors, and he is developing into that rare ace that every team is looking for. Yeah, the White Sox are going to get Lance Lynn back. He is probably their so-called ace atop the rotation. Maybe he gets the baseball in game one of the postseason for the White Sox. He's a veteran guy. He's been there. He's done that. He's pitched in the World Series. He's got a World Series ring, but this is the guy that can shut down the opposition. This is the guy taking the place of Chris Sale. And White Sox fans have to be over the moon excited about the possibilities of Kopech moving forward. He is having a stellar year. He is right now on pace to be an all-star. And when the White Sox think about the next six, seven years, that window they have to win with this current group, you kind of need one ace and that one B needs to be really, really good. And the Cubs had that in Jake Arrieta and John Lester. Look what the White Sox have right now. They get Kopech from the Red Sox. They get Dylan Cease from the Cubs. And now all of a sudden you've got those two young flamethrowers that are starting to develop into that top-of-the-rotation guys you're looking for that win you playoff series and win you World Series titles. You mix in Giolito and you mix in Lynn. Then all of a sudden, going into the postseason, I know there's a couple of rotations in the American League that are very, very good. The Yankees have been really outstanding so far this year. Maybe a bit of a surprise how good they are. Justin Verlander leading that Astro rotation that's been rock solid so far, I'd put my money on that White Sox rotation. If you keep them healthy, 
with Lynn, Kopech, Cease, and Giolito, you've got a chance to do some great things. They just got to get the offense going, a little more consistent, get Eloy Jimenez back, get Abreu going, get Moncada going, and then there could be some fun days on the south side of Chicago. But December 6, 2016, the White Sox trade Chris Sale to Boston for basically Juan Moncada and Michael Kopech. Red Sox have won a World Series thanks to Sale at 18. White Sox, to be determined. But at the very least, they got really good pieces back for the ace, Chris Sale. 544 at WSBT. We'll watch the Red Sox and the White Sox square off at Guaranteed Rate Field tomorrow night. It is 16 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Notre Dame falling in early college football polls. Well, they haven't done anything wrong, but I guess some people believe this one team now is one of the teams to beat in college football. We'll see if you agree coming up in a moment as Sportsbeat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 550 at WSBT. Welcome back to the program. Well, there's always those way too early college football polls that many of us that love football way too much enjoy looking at. It's really hard to predict who's going to do what year in and year out. Every team is different. This year's Notre Dame football team, I'm sure there's going to be some strengths and weaknesses that pop up that were the opposite last year. Now with the transfer portal, my heavens, who knows what a lot of these football teams are truly going to look like. But top 25 polls get clicks on the Internet or they would not do them. ESPN has been updating their way-too-early college football poll. And Notre Dame actually dropped in the most recent poll that has now come out. Notre Dame was number six in the country. They're now number seven. They were jumped by one team that vaulted up eight spots to number four. I'll tell you who that is in a moment. But here's what they had to say about the Irish. Notre Dame falls back one spot to number seven. It seems as if everything wasn't rosy between former Irish coach Brian Kelly and the administration before his unexpected departure to LSU. New coach Marcus Freeman, who was Kelly's former defensive coordinator, can make Irish fans forget about Kelly in a hurry if he can win this season. Notre Dame's offensive line, led by tackles Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, has a chance to be one of the best in the FBS. Bringing back respected offensive line coach Harry Heastan won't hurt their chances either. Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine are locked in a pretty good battle for the starting quarterback job, which might not be decided until late in preseason camp. New defensive coordinator Al Golan has some hills, some holes, excuse me, to fill up front. Well, it's interesting you hear about the offensive line and Jared Patterson's name is not mentioned. Hey, that's no shot against Alt and Fisher, two very exciting 
young tackles for this Irish football team. But Patterson, a guy who could be a late first, second-round pick next year, a staple of this group. I'd have to have him in that particular paragraph. Buckner and Pine in a battle that could be decided late in preseason camp. That's not my expectation. I think Tyler Buckner will win the job. Now, it may not be announced until late in fall camp. Publicly, we may not know for a while, but I'm pretty comfortable right now that Tyler Buckner is going to be the guy unless I just have a total misread of the situation. And up front, Al Golden has some holes to fill. Yeah, they lost a good part up front, no doubt about that in the interior of their defensive line, but I'm really comfortable with the two-man rotation they have across the board along the defensive line, so I'm not sure I totally agree with that assessment of this Irish football team, but they dropped back from six to seven because I think the world has fallen in love with USC. They jumped up from 12 to four, highlighted by the addition of pit wide receiver Jordan Addison to go along with starting quarterback Caleb Williams, and a tailback they got from Oregon as well. So there's a lot of excitement with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC, these offensive players that they have added. So USC seems to be that team that everybody is going to fall in love with this year, that they could be the team that comes from the ashes and rises to a team that could compete for the college football playoff. And, oh, by the way, yeah, Notre Dame and USC do play at the Coliseum. I think it's November the 28th. So a lot of love right now with the USC football program. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and now Jordan Addison joining the Trojan football family, bringing even more spotlight attention to that Notre Dame-USC great rivalry. Can't wait for football to start. They're... With this transfer portal, all these parts going all over the place, can't wait to see how some of these teams look. And USC will have a spotlight on them right away just to see how good they can quickly get. Hey, they're in the Pac-12. Outside of Utah maybe Oregon, is the conference going to have that many heavy hitters this year for them to get through? In fact, I think they have a fairly good schedule. They don't play Oregon or Washington. Now, they do have to go on the road to take on Utah, which could be a game that has a lot on the line in the Pac-12. They also have to go to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA. But, of course, they get the Irish at the Coliseum this year. It is 5.55. More sports beat coming up in just a couple of moments as we head toward the 6 o'clock hour. Still to come, going to take a look at some of the top prospects in the Chicago Cubs system. How are they faring? Any of these guys ready to go to the majors? Of the five, we're going to highlight one you could argue should be there already, but not yet. Why? Not sure. We'll talk about that coming up in a couple of moments. We've got our sports wagering segment to get to all coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett.
This is the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Monday, May the 23rd of 2022. 65 degrees and sunshine in downtown South Bend. 6.09 is your time. Darren Pritchett with you. Great to have you on board on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Sports wagering segment coming up in just a little bit. Did you watch any of the PGA Championship over the weekend, the second major of the golf season? Justin Thomas, an historical comeback. Seven down starting the final round on Sunday, was eight back at one point on Sunday. He made it into a playoff with Will Zalatoris and Thomas Shot two under on the three-hole aggregate playoff and won his second major championship. Both wins at the PGA Championship, his first win since 2017. And Thomas just took advantage of a lot of golfers backing up. He played extremely well, steady, confident golf, got himself into the playoff. And, man, I mean, his first tee shot in that three-hole playoff was a little off the mark but still made birdie, and after that, first tee off, I don't think he missed it a shot. He played masterfully in the playoff, holding off Zalatoris, who's going to win a major. He has been knocking on the door close again, but couldn't get it done. But Justin Thomas played at Alabama, a big Alabama football fan. By the way it seems, he's good friends with Alabama head football coach Nick Saban, who has been involved in a little bit of a controversy with Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at A&M, after basically saying that A&M bought all their players and their number one recruiting class in 2022. Jimbo Fisher lashing back at Nick Saban. Saban has apologized, but Jimbo wants nothing to do with it. No, by the way, the two will play later on this year in SEC play. Well, Thomas, who won his second major championship, was asked if he would follow Saban's 24-hour celebration rule. Thomas's response, quote, yeah, I got a 24-hour rule. I'm not sure what Jimbo Fisher's rule is, but I guess he's got to win something first before he figures out his rules, end quote. Wow. Well, it's a whole lot easier for JT to say that since he doesn't have to worry about facing Fisher one-on-one on the football field. But Fisher helped Saban guide LSU to a championship in 2003. He won a championship at Florida State in 2013. So he has done some really good things in the past. But JT not afraid to take out uh, a little shot toward Mr. Fisher As a proud Alabama football fan, great weekend for JT. I mean, he shot 67-67 the first two days, had a rough Saturday and came back and played beautifully on Sunday. And with no one able to pull away from the field on Sunday, he walked into the playoff and stole that PGA championship. And it was the third greatest comeback in major championship history coming from seven down to win the championship. All right, let's turn our attention to a little baseball conversation. Not a whole lot to cheer about if you're a Chicago Cub baseball fan with the way your major league team has been constructed by your rich ownership that apparently has gone poor. 
after that dismal start by the Reds. The Cubs are only four games ahead of Cincinnati right now. Yeesh. But could the future be bright for the Chicago Cubs in the next two years? Well, I think that's their plan. And MLB Pipeline is a part of MLB.com. And a few years ago, they started their own prospect list. Baseball America had the top list for a long time, and they still may have the top list. But at least MLB Pipeline is offering a second alternative. I kind of like the MLB Pipeline because, well, most importantly, it's free compared to having to subscribe to Baseball America to read their stuff. And I think MLB.com and MLB Pipeline do a really good job of breaking down the talents of these players. So any of these players we're going to talk about in this segment, you can check them out at MLB Pipeline and you'll have all the stats you can imagine. They break down the power, the speed of these guys. Really good insight. So we're going to take a look at the top five prospects in the Chicago Cubs system according to MLB Pipeline, their list being from the start of the year. We'll start with the person that is number five on the list, and he currently plays for the South Bend Cubs. He's a first-round pick of the Cubs, 22-year-old left-hander, and his name is Jordan Wicks. Maybe you've watched him pitch at Four Winds Field this year. Well, Wicks has seven starts with the South Bend Cubs this year, and ERA, that's been dropping. It's down to 3.86. Wicks has thrown 28 innings. He has given up 28 hits. He has walked nine, struck out 34. Opponents are hitting 262 against Wicks, and his whip is pretty high right now at 1.32. Now, just based on looking over box scores and some information, I think he has not had that High number of innings you would expect because of throwing a lot of pitches in an inning. Just based on my time as a broadcaster and watching how these minor league teams work based on what their major league teams want from them. Anytime a minor league pitcher, in particular a high prospect, gets near 25 pitches in an inning, you'll see the bullpen get up. Anytime you get into the 30 to 35 range, normally that's going to be it for a pitcher. Again, in particular, a high prospect. So we've seen a couple of high pitch thrown innings by Wicks this year, and that's probably limited his innings more than anything else. 28 innings through seven starts, so that comes out to four innings a start so far this year. Now his last three starts have been noticeable. 13 and two-thirds innings over his last three starts. So that's right between four and five innings per average in those three starts. In the 13 and two-thirds innings, only 10 hits, three earned runs, walking five, striking out 15. His last start, he went five innings up in Appleton against the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Brewers affiliate. And in those five innings, he struck out a season-high eight. I think the Cubs are hoping Wicks turns into a member of their starting rotation down the line. First-round pick out of Kansas State. Wicks has the capability, it looks like, to be a number three or a number four starter if all goes well in this Cubs system. So you can check out Jordan Wicks this week as South Bend is home to take on Great Lakes to follow. Who's going to pitch each day? Best bet is to 
Check out southbendcubs.com. According to MLB Pipeline, the number four prospect in the Cubs system arguably should be in the majors right now. But for whatever reason, the Cubs are holding him back. And his name is Caleb Killian. He is a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher, a part of the Chris Bryant deal, which could turn out to be a fabulous deal, with Canario and Killian coming over to the Cubs in that deal for the Cubs slugger. Killian has started eight games at AAA Iowa, and boy, has he been exceptional. In those eight starts at AAA Iowa, Killian has thrown 34 and a third innings His ERA, 1.31. In the 34-plus innings, he's given up only 29 hits. Now he's walked 13. That number is concerning. But in the 34 innings, he is striking out well over one batter per inning. He has struck out 40 this year, and the opposition only hitting 223 against Killian. It sure seems like, based on what I've read out of the Des Moines Register, that, boy, oh, boy, this guy is ready to go. He is ready to face Major League Pitching. He's done all he can do the last year or so in the Chicago Cubs system. But for whatever reason, and I'm sure they have their reasons, there's probably something they want Killian to work on. He is still in Iowa and not trying to help what is a woeful starting rotation for the Chicago Cubs. It is not a rotation that's going to dominate the opposition very often especially with Kyle Hendricks struggling for a second consecutive year. You would have to imagine, again, unless there's something we don't know, Killian should be with the Chicago Cubs in the next month, in particular if he continues to pitch the way he has at AAA Iowa. So Killian's on hold right now, whatever the case may be. Maybe they want him to cut down on the walks. Maybe they're concerned that's going to be a problem at the major league level. But in time, Killian is going to get his chance to be a part of this Chicago Cubs rotation. So definitely a name to keep in mind. Looking through the top prospects in the Chicago Cubs system here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Darren Pritchett with you at 619. Number three Cubs prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, is a young guy, James Triantos, just 19 years old. The Cubs' number three prospect is currently at Low A, Myrtle Beach. He has played in 34 games with the Pelicans, and he has just started to warm up. He was quiet offensively early on, but with his recent surge for the season, Triantos is hitting 289 with a 358 on base percentage, the OPS at 745, only one home run. He has driven in 16. I mentioned the surge Last week with Myrtle Beach, Trianos went 15 for 43. That's probably about 350 with a home run and eight driven in. Sounds like he can play either middle infield spot. I haven't heard a whole lot about him being a third baseman in the future, but probably going to be more of a second baseman, maybe a shortstop in the Cubs system. So James Trianos, a high draft pick of the Cubs Last year, trying to move up the chain quickly, and we should see Triantos in South Bend, I would think, the second half of the Midwest League season. I'm sure they're going to want Triantos to get plenty of at-bats in his first full season of minor league baseball at that level. They're going to get him plenty of opportunities to develop, go through the ups and downs, and I would have to imagine some point 
We'll see Triantos here in South Bend. Now, with Ed Howard being here, first-round pick of the Cubs a couple of years ago, although he's a little banged up at this time, uh, Triantos might have to play a different position. We'll see what the Cubs do with Triantos and Howard on the same team here in South Bend when that situation arises. Number two prospect in the Cubs system, this is a really intriguing guy. When you hear comps of Alex Rodriguez and Manny Machado, it catches your attention. Christian Hernandez is his name, an international signee of the Chicago Cubs. He is currently 18 years old, and it would seem he is destined to be a guy that will play on the left side of the infield, either at shortstop or third base. Right now, MLB Pipeline has Christian Hernandez as the 87th best prospect in all of baseball. That's even more impressive when you consider he has not played a full season game as of yet. What I mean by full season is when you play the 120-game schedule like you do in the minors, low A with Myrtle Beach, high A here in South Bend, he's not had that opportunity as of yet. Now, he played last year in the Dominican League on the Cubs team and in 47 games hit 285 with a 398 on base and an 822 OPS, five homers, 22 driven in, and 158 at-bats. He only struck out 39 times in 158 at-bats. That's pretty doggone good considering how young he is. He is now playing in Mesa currently. We don't have any stats on Hernandez. I'll just say this based on Twitter and people having highlights of Hernandez in some of these games that are being played down there. He has hit some mammoth home runs at the Cubs facility. Amazing power. His bat speed is noticeable. And this is the type of guy I hope he can play third base because you want that power bat at third base, and this could be the guy that would be your Cub third baseman for 10 years unless they penny pinch again and not want to pay someone. But I think we'll get beyond that. Hernandez appears to be a superstar in the making. It kind of rivals, I think, some of the expectations of Glaber Torres and Eloy Jimenez coming out of the international signing pool. Hernandez, another one of those guys and an intriguing talent. And again, Rodriguez, Machado mentioned when people talk about this guy. Wow, that should get you excited as a Cub fan. Now, when might Hernandez arrive in South Bend? My best guess is this. If he is progressing at the spring training facility, you would think at some point later on this summer he would get the opportunity to move up to Loway Myrtle Beach, get his feet wet at that level. Then when 2023 starts, I would think he would still go back to Myrtle Beach. And my best guess, just based on being around the minors, I would think there's a chance that he could be in South Bend late 2023 or opening day 2024. They're not going to rush this guy. They're going to let him develop. And you have to go through the grinds of playing every day at the minor league level. That's what you need at the low A level. Go through the process of being a professional baseball player. Go through the ups and downs. Labor Torres was in South Bend the entire year 
as a low-A player until late in the year when we were out of playoff contention. Then he moved up to Myrtle Beach. Eloy Jimenez, the same way, was here until we got knocked out of the playoffs. Then he went to Myrtle Beach. I would expect Hernandez probably to stay in Myrtle Beach a full year. So that's why late 23 would be a possibility here in South Bend. Maybe the start of 24 is when we see one of the more exciting prospects in baseball come to South Bend. Finally, the number one prospect in the Cubs system, according to MLB Pipeline, is Brennan Davis. He is considered the 13th best prospect in all of baseball right now. The 22-year-old outfielder was a starting outfielder on the 2019 South Bend Cub Championship team, was back with South Bend in 2021 on a rehab assignment to start the year. He was hit in spring training by a pitch, slowed his progress, was here for a week, and then moved on to AA. He has only played in 22 games at AAA Iowa this year, and he has not played in a game since May the 3rd. He went on the injured list May 12th with a lower back injury, and Davis is still not back as we talk right now on May the 23rd. The back obviously was affecting him in the 22 games at AAA Iowa, hitting 195 with a 286 on base percentage of 585 OPS, a couple of home runs, but what really stood out. 31 strikeouts in 77 at-bats. That's not Brennan Davis. That's why I was wondering, was it something the Cubs did in the offseason? Because I know they changed his hands where he had them in the batter's box, and I was leery that could be affecting him. But it sounds like it was the back that was bothering him. That's obviously something that's a concern going forward. Back injuries normally don't go away. So something to keep in mind, but a tremendous talent. He shined at the Futures game last year out at Coors Field with a couple of home runs. He can play left field. He can play center field. I don't think he's a right fielder at the major league level due to arm strength, but this is a guy that's going to be, I think, a star at the major league level unless injuries hold him back. What's interesting is this was the top five at the start of the year. And probably around the all-star break, I would assume MLB Pipeline will come out with an updated list. And I think there is an outside chance that there could be a new top three. Now, Hernandez will stay in the top three. Probably Davis will. But I think a guy outside the top five right now will move into the top three. And maybe we can talk about that on tomorrow's program. A guy that I saw a lot of here in South Bend and his status in the Cubs system is rising every day. So we'll have that conversation tomorrow about that player here on WSBT. It is 628. How about we hear from Dan Patrick? Then we'll talk a little sports wagering on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 6.35 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio brought to you by Budweiser. 
the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnaby's of Mishawaka, and Granger and Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Darren Pritchett with you on this Monday evening. It's time for our sports wagering segment here on WSBT Radio. Each program, I offer four suggestions plus an underdog pick. Let's go back to Friday's program and review how my suggestions turned out. We'll start with our regular four suggestions. The first one, the Mariners playing at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. The reigning Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray on the mound for the Mariners. But the Red Sox have been playing better baseball as of late. And they burned me. I took the Mariners at plus 100 on the money line and the Red Sox walked away with a 7-3 victory. Ray has not been throwing like last year's Cy Young Award winner so far this year after being acquired by the Mariners as a free agent after a great end of last year with Toronto. From Friday's program, my second suggestion, Adam Wainwright on the mound for St. Louis against the Pirates. He has owned the Pirates for the last few years, so I took the Cardinals minus one and a half runs at plus 105. So the Cardinals had to win the game by two runs or more to win the wager. Got a little interesting in the eighth inning as the Buccos put on a rally against the bullpen, but the Cardinals won 5-3, so that was a winning suggestion. Third suggestion from Friday's program, the Guardians on the money line against the Tigers at minus 115. Aaron Savalli has struggled in the Guardians rotation so far this year, but I felt like this was a moment he could get going against that Tigers offense. Scooble was on the mound for Detroit, but I still took the Guardians minus 115 on the money line, and that was a winning wager as the Guardians cruise by the Tigers 6-1. to one. The fourth suggestion from Friday's program, the Padres at the Giants. I like the Padres on the money line on Friday at plus 105, and it was a barn burner, but the Padres pulled out the victory 8-7. In 10 innings, in fact, the Padres swept the Giants. They're only a half a game behind the Dodgers, and they're doing that with their superstar, Fernando Tatis Jr., on the sideline. My underdog pick from Friday, I went with the Oakland A's on the money line at the Angels, and we got this underdog at plus 155. That's a juicy number, and it's even juicier when you win. The A's helped us to win the underdog pick. A's won by a score of 4-2, to two, so 3-1 and one with my regular picks. So I finished 10-10 and 10 last week in that category. But the underdog pick has been really good to us, 4-1 and one last week. So we move on to a brand-new week, and here are the suggestions for tonight's games. The Cincinnati Reds, their game goes over the run total – of the time. That's basically six times out of ten. That's a pretty good trend. So, why not? Great American ballpark, offensive ballpark, two poor pitching teams, the Cubs and the Reds are playing tonight. So, our first suggestion of the night, we'll go with that Reds trend. Cubs and Reds over nine runs tonight at minus 120. The second suggestion for tonight in our sports wagering segment, we go to Washington, D.C. It is the Dodgers taking on the Nationals. I'll tell you what, no matter the opponent, 
the Dodgers minus one and a half runs every night is a pretty good pick. And I'm hoping that's the case tonight with Tyler Anderson on the mound. The Dodgers minus one and a half runs at the Nationals. We get that at minus 135. So the Dodgers not only have to win the game, they have to win by two or more runs to win that suggestion. Suggestion number three for tonight. The Cardinals and the Blue Jays will play in St. Louis tonight. I'm going to go with a different type of wager. So this is a three-inning wager. This wager is decided after the completion of the third inning, and I'm going to do the one times three wager, which means there are three different possible outcomes. At the end of three innings, the game could be tied, which is a wager. The Blue Jays could have the lead. That's a wager. And the Cardinals could have the lead. That's a wager. I am going with the Cardinals to lead the Blue Jays after three innings. I get this wager at plus 140, and I'm going with this based on the fact that, A, Miles Michaelis has been terrific in the Cardinals' rotation so far this year, and outside of just two hitters, the Blue Jays have not faced him. I always feel like the first time a batter faces a pitcher, the pitcher has the advantage. So I'm not worried about the last six innings of this game. I'm hoping the Cardinals can do a little damage against Barrios in the first three innings, and Michaelis does what he's been doing, shutting down the opposition against a team that hasn't seen him. So, again, the one times three wager, I'm going to go Cardinals leading after three innings at plus 140. And finally, our fourth suggestion for tonight is an individual prop. Zach Wheeler started the year horribly for Philadelphia, one of the best pitchers in the National League. But his last four starts, he has been untouchable. His last four starts, he has gone over six and a half strikeouts. That's why tonight I'm taking Wheeler of the Phillies over six and a half strikeouts against the Braves at minus 110. So he has to strike out seven to win that wager so the four suggestions for tonight we recap with cubs and reds over nine runs at minus 120 i'll go with the dodgers minus one and a half runs at the nationals at minus 135 i'll take the cardinals to lead the blue jays after three innings at plus 140 and zach wheeler the starting pitcher for the phillies over six and a half strikeouts against the Atlanta Braves. Those are the four suggestions for tonight. Now the red hot underdog pick. Let's see if I can nail another one. I'm going to go with the New York Mets at plus 120 at the San Francisco Giants. First off, the Giants are scuffling. The Mets are still playing good baseball. They're without Scherzer and DeGrom now in their rotation, but David Peterson is coming into the rotation when he has spot started for the Mets as ERA below two this year. So the Mets on the road. Let's see if we can get a winner out of the Metropolitans. Underdog pick of the day, Mets plus 120 against Alex Cobb and the San Francisco Giants. That's our sports wagering segment for tonight. We'll add up the totals from tonight, bring them to you tomorrow, and then come up with four more suggestions here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Also, tomorrow, I'm going to give you the opportunity to sign up to have the chance to win VIP tickets for the Senior PGA Championship at Harbor Shores. A lot of people are giving away passes. These are VIP 
passes. This gets you into the nice constructed areas around greens, the skyboxes, free drink, free food. Not bad. This other passes, you don't get all that. These are special VIP passes. And on tomorrow's program, we'll tell you how you can win these passes. We have passes for Friday and Saturday to give away the Senior PGA Championship at Harbor Shores. The major championship play begins on Thursday, final round on Sunday. We've got VIP tickets for Friday and Saturday to give away on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hope you will tune in. 16 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. Darren Pritchett with you. We have some breaking news to pass along to you this evening. This information comes from NewJersey.com, and they are reporting that Notre Dame assistant coach Coquise Washington is going to become the new head women's basketball coach at Rutgers, replacing their legendary head coach, C. Vivian Stringer. So, Kakwis Washington, an assistant coach on the Yale Ivy staff, looks like she's going to get another opportunity as a head coach. The expectation is the 50-year-old Washington will be introduced tomorrow at a press conference at Jersey Mike's Arena. And Washington has experience as a head coach. She was at Penn State from 2007 to 2019 in 12 years in state college went 209 and 169 but in big 10 play 13 games under 500 at 98 and 111 the last two years at penn state 2017 2018 washington went 16 and 16 with a 6 and 10 conference record and then in 18 19 just 12 and 19 5 and 13 In the Big Ten Conference, she moved on from Penn State after that season, landed on Yale Ivy's coaching staff, and now it appears, according to NewJersey.com, that Washington will become the new head coach at Rutgers. In fact, now I'm seeing Rutgers Athletics has come out with a press release, and they have posted it on their website that Coquise is the next women's basketball coach at Rutgers. So Neil Ivey has a spot to fill on her coaching staff as Washington returning to the head coaching ranks. She's now the head coach at Rutgers. Congratulations to the former Notre Dame women's basketball player, Kakuis Washington, back as a head coach at Rutgers. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And today's question, who had the best weekend? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with a couple of baseball players. 
teammates with the Chicago Cubs. Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel hit back-to-back home runs on Saturday and Sunday. They became the first pair of Cubs hitters to pull off that feat since 1969 when Ernie Banks and Jim Hickman went back-to-back on consecutive days. Hickman arrived to the majors at age 25 with the Mets in 1962, played with the Mets until 66, went to the Dodgers in 67, before L.A. traded him to the Cubs in 68 for Phil Regan. With the Cubs from 68 to 73, Hickman hit 267 with a 362 on base and an 829 OPS. He was then traded to the Cardinals in 74, released later that year, and had a major league career of 13 seasons, hitting 252 with 159 home runs. Four. The L.A. Lakers, because allegedly they were interested in Michigan basketball coach Juwan Howard to be their new head coach. Huh? I know he was a well-thought-of assistant coach in the NBA, but I kind of see Juwan Howard at Michigan as a really good recruiter and as an X's and O type guy. <sighs> Nothing to be excited about at the very least. At Michigan, he's gone 19 and 12, 23 and 5, and an extremely disappointing 19 and 15 season last year with some good veterans back and supposedly one of the top recruiting classes in the country as freshmen. Plus, you factor in he's had two incidents with fellow coaches leading to being suspended at the end of last season. Having watched the Lakers so-called documentary on HBO. I think there's a lot of Hollywood to it, but I guess after watching that, I'm not surprised they might be interested in Jawan Howard. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Who had the best weekend? The Minnesota Twins, a three-game sweep of Kansas City, including an epic comeback. Sunday to win 7-6. Gio Urshela hit a tie-breaking single in the ninth inning to complete Minnesota's comeback from a six-run deficit to beat the Royals by one. Right now, the Twinkies lead the White Sox by four games for the top spot in the AL Central. Number two. Number two is IRL driver Scott Dixon. He turned four laps on Sunday at an average of 234.046 miles per hour around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. His average broke Scott Brayton's pole-winning record of 233.718 set in 1996. This is going to be the fifth time he'll lead the field of 33 to the row of bricks. He is the 2008 Indy 500 champion. Now, Ari Leyendijk holds the four-lap qualifying record at 236.986, also in 96, but not in a run for the pole. That means Dixon's qualifying run was the second fastest in 106 runnings of the greatest spectacle in racing. Number one. And finally, Justin Thomas comes from seven back to win the PGA Championship. He wins the major in a playoff over Will Zalatoris. Budweiser's weekday sports beat being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org and Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic, spraying or neutering your pet is as easy as ABC. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 